Now if I can keep my notes from blowing away here. If we would uh, open our Bibles up to Revelation chapter 3, we're going to pick it up where we left off. We're on like, we're, we're on like the fifth church of, of uh, seven in the book of Revelation. The Lord Jesus is speaking to these different churches, and really it's kind of a, a purifying. The, you know, what keeps coming to me is that he wants to purify his church. He wants to work within his church, and, and, and the church is consisted of, of people who are believers in Jesus. Last time, uh, if you were able to see the broadcast, we talked about the church of Thyatira, and they had good things going on, and they had bad things going on. And, and Jesus talked to them about the good stuff first, you know, that they, were, that they were doing a lot of good stuff. They had a lot of love, service, faith. They had perseverance, and, and also that they were actually growing. They were going forward and, and growing in their relationship with Jesus and with others. But yet on the on the negative side, they were tolerating, in the name of tolerance, they were allowing this false teaching within the church that really promoted idolatry. And in that society, idolatry was like wide out in the open. There were, there were temples to all these false gods all over the place. And also, uh, they, they tolerated sexual immorality, which, you know, was tied in in many ways with this idolatry now you say well that you know we don't have that kind of thing in our country in our society but i i beg to differ with you that our our society is full of idolatry and our society is full of sexual immorality and we we have to know that that that, that god's word speaks against both of those you can go all the way back to the beginning and see how the lord speaks to these things he told them that they needed to repent, and it says that God gave them time to repent. And, and so God gives us time as well. Now, the, the church we're looking at today, though, is the church of Sardis. And the, the city of Sar Sardis was a very wealthy place. They had a lot of uh, good things going on in terms of possessions, and, and it was a famous city. They also had a lot of apathy, though. And that's another thing that I see in our society as well, this apathy, this, like, we, we really don't care about the things of God. They had a lot of immorality. They had a lot of easy living, and, and pleasure was kind of like a, very important to that city there, the city of Sardis. So I have three main points today. I'm not going to keep you too long. I know it's, you're in the sun, and, and uh, is it okay so far? You got a little breeze? Uh, but I have three main points about the church at Sardis here. So the first one here is found in verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He said, I know your deeds. He says, I know your deeds. That's the first thing that he says to them. I know your deeds. And the, the first point I want to make is this, is that the Lord God knows about us. He knew about that church. He knew about each one of those churches. But he knows about each one of us. He knows us perfectly, personally. He knows you. He knows me. He knows about our lives. He knows what our deeds are. He knows, you know, what we do, what we, uh, how we spend our time. He knows all of that about each one of us. He knew that about the church there. Now, with 
the previous church, the church of Thyatira, he says, I know your deeds, and he was very pleased about them. But, but that's not the case with this church here, the church at Sardis. He really wasn't pleased with them at all, as we'll go on to see in the next point. But Jesus knows about us. He knows about you. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139, and it says this in verse 1. He says, you have searched me and you know me. You have searched me and you know me. And God searches our hearts. He goes on to say a whole bunch of things, but he says he knows that, that the Lord knows when I sit down, when I get up. He knows my thoughts. He knows when I go out. He knows when I lie down. He knows all my ways. He knows the words. He knows my words even before I'm going to say them. He knows that about each one of us. David goes on to say there, he says, where can I go from your spirit? You see, we think, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hide from God. We can't hide from him. He knows all about our lives. He knows all about where we are, who we are, what we're involved in, where our life is headed and where our life is going. That's point number one. Point number two found in the second part of verse one. He says this, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead, he says. This, this idea of being dead or alive. You have a reputation. You have a name, some translations say, of being alive. You've got this thing on the outside that you're saying, I'm alive. And now, of course, he's talking spiritually now. He's not talking about their, the fact that they're physically alive. He's talking about spiritually. They, they were professing to be alive, but he says, you're not really alive. He says, I know all about you. There is a, a sense that you and I, you know, we can put on a pretty good show. Now, we haven't been able to come to church and be around each other, but, but we can get together and we can put on this show like, man, I'm the, I'm the most on-fire Christian in the whole group. But Jesus sees inside. He knows if it's real, if it's true. It wasn't true in their case. He says, he says that you were dead. He says they were dead. You know, thinking about the church there in Sardis, you know, probably a very busy church, had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of meetings, a lot of promotion, probably a lot of publicity, a lot of stuff, a lot of money, a lot of staff, a lot of, you know, people going. Every, every Christian in, chat, in town knew about that church. But God doesn't look on the outside people. The Bible tells us that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the inside. He looks at the heart. And he knew everything about that. They were dead inside. I was thinking about this, this idea of a dead church or a dead Christian. That's really a, a good definition of an oxymoron, right? You know, you know what an oxymoron is? If you, if you don't, well, maybe the second part, uh, never mind. There's no way that a church should be dead. But Jesus saw, and, and he said, you know, you've got this out, outward appearance, he said, this show, but, but inside I know you're dead. You know, it's an obvious application to our own lives. You know, sometimes, you know, we're just fake. We just pretend. 
But, but inside, we're like dead inside, and, and God wants to do something in our hearts and our lives, and we're, we're, we're professing, we're making out like we're one thing, but we're really not. Jesus, speaking to the religious leaders of that day, he said to them, Woe! He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. He says, You hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean, like a, a tomb that's all beautiful on the outside, but inside just full of deadness and bones and corruption. He says, Woe to you. So what does Jesus say to them? We can't just say, well, you're dead. He, you know, he, he gives them some, some instruction, some direction, some help, really. If you look in verse 2, he goes on to say this. He says, wake up. He said, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. He says, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent but if you do not wake up i will come like a thief and and you will not know at what time i will come to you he tells them to wake up he, he, he really what he's saying to them i believe is that you've got to get serious with with this thing if you're going to be a believer and a follower of jesus be a believer and follower of jesus from the very core of our being it's not just going to church, you know, I'm there every Sunday, I put money in the box, people can see me do this. You know, I might even sing. Jesus wants the truth of, of, of his life to, to be within us and to work its way out from the inside out. He says, get serious, wake up, strengthen what remains. They weren't completely and totally dead, obviously, or he wouldn't, have to, he wouldn't say these words. Strengthen what remains. It wasn't completely hopeless. I don't want you for a minute to think that it's completely hopeless. If you've got a little mustard seed of faith within you, the Lord wants to water that and to, to let that blossom and grow and, and just completely uh, you know, spread and, and bloom. But we have to get serious and get real and, and be honest before God and be honest with ourselves and, and even be honest with one another. He tells them to remember what you received. Why did you come here in the first place? What did you hear? What did you receive in the first place? Obey it, he says. Do what God's word tells you to do. That's what he's, he's asking of every one of us. He uses that word repent, and we've seen that over and over. In fact, of the seven churches that, are, that Jesus speaks to here, five out of the seven, he tells them to repent. You've got to change direction. Change the way your, your head and your heart are going. Turn back towards him. In verse 4, it says this, Yet... Those are pretty strong words. He says, yet you do have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He says, yet it's not all, you know, there were still some within the church that were, that were you know, following. And, and they, they hadn't allowed the, the, the worldliness and, and the wickedness to overtake their lives and hearts. 
I really love what it says, though, there. He says, Jesus says, they will walk with me dressed in white. They will walk with Jesus dressed. That's what, that's what I want. I want to walk with Jesus. You look back in the Old Testament, you hear about a guy named Enoch. How many of you remember a guy named Enoch? This guy, it says, it says that he walked with God. And he walked with God for like, what is it, 200 years? He walked with God for, for a long, long time. That's what, that's what you and I should say. I want to walk with Jesus in this day and in my life. And, and I, I want to do it for the long haul, not just one day. I'm going to walk with Jesus on Sunday. I want to walk with Jesus every day, every week, every month, every year, until the time would be that I would be with him face to face. I want to be with him. I want to walk with him. The fascinating thing about Enoch, now that, that you know, in, in one way it will happen to us as be, true believers, but in another way it won't happen in the same way. It says, it, it says he walked with God and then, and then he was not because God took him. He just took him right to heaven right then and there. One of the things we look at and we believe is that God, for those that are true believers, that he is going to snatch us up and take us to be with him before the great tribulation. The last point I want to make is found in verses 5 and 6. He says this, He who, he who overcomes will, like them, those that he just mentioned, be dressed in white. And I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The last thing I want to talk about is having our names in the book of life. To have our names in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. He says, he who overcomes these things. Now, how do we overcome? Just by our own effort? No. We overcome in Jesus. We overcome through his power and his strength. In 1 John 5, it says this, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How are you going to overcome to have these things that he's talking about? By having a faith in Jesus Christ, a trust in him, holding on to him. One of the previous churches he commended them for is that you have held on to my name. You have held fast to my name. You've trusted in me. You remain true in your faith. But to overcome, the truth of the matter is that we need his strength each and every day. But he says this to, to he who overcomes, he says this. He says, I will, I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but I will acknowledge his name before my father. And his angels. What a beautiful thing that is. Now, there are a few different views about the book of life. And, but, but I like Warren Wiersbe, what he says about this. He says that this book of life, it, it contains the names of all those who are born. But those who reject Christ will have their names taken out. This promise, though, uh, the, the other side of it, I, I might as well mention it, is that, is that those uh, others believe that when a person believes in Jesus Christ and trusts him, his name is then written in the book of life. 
the promise that he gives here in that in that idea is that is that that name your name will never be blotted out that you will you are secure and safe forever and ever that your name is in the book of life and you will be with him forever and ever the important thing in all this and you you can study these things you can do a search on this and 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 get more in depth of this but the the most important thing is this of this whole thing is is that your name is there and that that it will not be erased and and how does that happen it happens by again our trusting in jesus christ as our lord and savior by believing in in him as the one who had died for our sins upon the cross that he was buried, that he rose from the dead. How do you, how do you know that your name is there and that, it will, that it, it will be there for eternity? Is by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How many of you know what today is? Today is Pentecost Sunday, right? Some of you said Sunday, I, I knew that. This is Pentecost Sunday, but, but if you think about uh, this on the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching the gospel, and you know what? He he, he preached the gospel, and, and and he told people about Jesus Christ, and there were what three thousand that came and trusted in Jesus Christ on that day. Now I don't know every person here whether you have a faith and trust in Jesus, but today is a good day for you to to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and know that your name is safe and secure in the book of life and that that you will be in heaven forever and ever. One serious, very serious thing I must point out is this, that in the book of Revelation chapter 20, it says this, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's a very serious thing, but that's what God's word tells us. If your name is not found written in the book of life, you will be separated from him. And the lake of fire is, is a, a, another term for what we call hell. And the worst thing about it is to be separated from God forever and ever and ever. Hell is, is not just a, a swear word, I hate to tell you. It's a literal place. The Bible declares that Jesus talked about it. We, we've got to know that it's a very serious, serious thing. And, and later in chapter 21... It says this, speaking about the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, it says nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus speaking to his disciples, and, and they were kind of excited because they saw some radical things happening in the spirit, kind of the spiritual battles that they were in. But Jesus said this, he said in Luke chapter 10, he said, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's something for you and I to rejoice about, to be glad about. You know what? I don't know, you know, where your name, your name might be written in a lot of places, places that you really don't want it to be written. Or maybe it isn't written in some of the things in this world that you, you know, I'd like to have a name. I'd like the people to know who my name is. Those things really don't matter in the end. What really matters is that 
our names are written in heaven and you and I can rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We can be happy about that because one day we'll be in that city, the heavenly city, the heavenly Jerusalem. Three things, let's wrap this up. Three things, three points. Number one is that he knows us. He knows all about us from the inside. Not just the outside, what people see. He knows the, the fear, the worry, the hurt, the happiness, the joy. He knows when we're just putting on a show. He knows all about us. So, so don't try to run from him because you, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. The second point is, you know, it's, we're either dead or alive. And, and you know... We need to, to do the things that he said. We need to wake up, get serious, and, and truly follow him. If not, you know, we'll see in, in the church at uh, uh, Laodicea where he says, you know, being lukewarm isn't good enough. Being lukewarm isn't any good. He says, you either be hot or you be cold. Don't Trying to be in the middle, it doesn't work. And the last point is to have our names written in the book of life. That's... That's what really matters. That's what really matters. Why don't we stand up and we're going to pray together. We have one more song to sing. Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And there's some pretty serious words in, your, in, the, in the scripture that you've given to us. Some very hard-hitting words what really what life is all about and really you get to the core of uh, the human race you get to the core of each human each individual and you want to speak to us and as we read there Jesus you said he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church to each one of us in in the church Father, we, we come and we just open our hearts to you today and we say, Lord, do what you need to do, whatever it is. You need to come inside of my heart and do some serious surgery, some serious work. Come in and do what you need to do, what you want to do, Lord. I, I'm tired of playing games. I don't, it doesn't, it, it's just, it just doesn't work. So Jesus, come in and do what, what only you can do. Work in us, Lord. And Jesus, I want to pray too for any that might be here or might watch this, might see this even some later point. If you've never trusted in the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name is not secure. Your place is not secure. You need to trust in him and give your life completely over to him right now and, and, and open your heart and receive him and believe in his name. Calling upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved forever and ever and ever. And you can simply say and pray with me and say, Dear Jesus, life I open my heart forgive me 
Save me today, Lord. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing together, shall we?